Last time on Pokemon Rollout, as part of their training in the Monastery of the Scaled Fist, the trainers battled the three Hakamoo that were supervising the battle between the Jangmoo. They fought in three head-to-head -head matches. The trainers tried to get every advantage they could, each of them sending out a fairy type to battle the fighting dragons. Charlie sent out Giggles the Yarmahaha, Professor Sneeze released Melody the Wigglytuff, and Liliana battled using Faye the Ralts. While the Hakamoa were challenging opponents, the trainers were each able to defeat the formidable dragons. After the battle, while they were resting up in the hot springs, the device Charlie had taken from the ruins started beeping and tried to relay a mysterious message, but it was interrupted by static. When the message had finished, the device indicated that it needed to charge to operate correctly and uncover the full message. Who sent this message? Will the trainers be able to charge the device and reveal the mystery? How will their training continue to develop? It's time for the next episode of Pokemon Rollout. Hello and welcome to the world of Pokemon. My name is Nick, but these guys call me their Game Master, and you're listening to Pokemon Rollout, a real play Pokemon Tabletop United RPG podcast. What's your name? I'm Paul, and I played Charlie. Didn't come up with something creative, uh, Pine. <laughs> I'm Michael, and I play Professor Rudimentus. I am not Orlando Bloom Sneeze. <laughs> and I am Lydia, and I play Liliana. My grandpa is Orlando Bloom Shadow Garden. <laughs> <laughs> Really, it should be the other way around, but... <laughs> Orlando Bloom is my grandfather? Is that any better? <laughs> wait, uh, wait, are, did we just establish that Orlando Bloom is Liliana's grandfather in canon? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I was about to make the joke that we established for any of the theorizers that uh, Professor Sneeze is not Liliana's grandfather, but oh boy. <laughs> oh yeah, there's that, there's that too. What? Who said that? He said he, Michael said he was Professor. I am not Orlando Bloom sneeze. Oh. And you said your grandfather is Orlando Bloom. Therefore, Before, yeah. by the transitive pro property, all A's are B's, all B's are not C. Therefore, all A's are not C. Yep. And all B's pollinate. <laughs> I'm, I'm still sitting here thinking, like, what what could I have said for Charlie? Is it like, Charlie, Charlie, why not Zoidberg Pine? Um, <laughs> gosh, but I missed it now, so it's not gonna, it's not gonna do, do the thing. The moment just passed. He, he, you've, been, you've interrupted it before and, like, jumped in again. But, I know, yeah. I know, but, like... <laughs> you've not... been rude before. <laughs> <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll just give it ten minutes and it'll be like, ah, Charlie's such and such fine, but I'll, I'll just pop him in and do it randomly. It'll happen. Such and such, you got it. Way to go. <laughs> so, when last we left the group, you guys were training at the Monastery of the Scale Fist. I think that I had less of a plan on what you guys would be doing this episode than the last episode or the next episode. Um, so I was more leaving it open to you guys. What are your people doing 
in the monastery besides training. If Professor Sneeze can find a, a, a library or something. I was just thinking that too. Oh, yeah. Okay. That would be on his list. Yeah. Liliana would be reading over medical texts. Ah, be spending your vacation in the library. Okay. I mean, not that you say, say that, like, uh, Charlie would be, uh, would, like, probably check and see if there's any, like, lore text or, like, information about ancient Pokemon that he, uh, doesn't know yet. And okay. so he would maybe spend a little bit of time at the library, but... And let's, since all three of you would be there for that, let's give an afternoon in the library. So the general idea is medical texts, looking at Liliana, Charlie is looking at more occult, uh, lore, older stories, and Professor Sneeze is in the library. In the library. No, I I mean, he's going to be looking at possibly information about Pokemon in the uh, Chan area that they're approaching, but also... Maybe a little bit more on the history of the Flames of Agni and information on the futurists and such, too. Okay. Maybe the archetypes. Yes. You know, so, kind of a, a scattershot of, of so More of a scattershot. Okay. His general ed. All right. Yes, yeah, so what I will do then is I will ask each of you uh, to uh, specify something specific that you're looking for, and then I will ask mm-hmm. for a roll. And they will be education checks, obviously. So let's start this time with Liliana. So uh, Liliana, what specifically are you looking at in terms of medical texts and things? And it will be a medicine education role, I'd say, probably. So I'm going to be looking at, like, mutations of strains to see if anything like that could happen with the blight, since some Pokemon are still being affected, and, like, who knows how long they've been infected for, and... Can they spread that infection? Could it change over time, even if they've been healed of it? How that can work? And then also to like possible other vaccines for that as well. Yeah, just kind of like how to stop the spread as soon as possible. Yeah, so looking at mutations, especially as they affect Pokemon and... So give me a medicine education check. I got a 10. As you're looking through it, you quickly run into and start reading more into basically the mechanics behind Pokemon Evolution itself, which is definitely a huge, huge topic that has its own host of things, especially with Mega Evolution showing up. There's something talking about Dynamaxing somewhere, but no one knows what's going on with that. (laughs) They're going to keep working there, and just like evolutions like Split Evolution, Evolution via Stone. The two things that you find very big in terms of Pokemon Evolution is that while Pokemon Evolution is a lot of power and energy gathered in one place, in fact, it's explosive in terms of that. It just how much energy comes out when a Pokemon evolves. Like, Pokemon often come out of an evolution fully healed, for example, even if they were heavily injured beforehand. But it's also a stabilizing force. Evolution tends to standardize confusing things that are going on in a Pokemon, especially something that's unstable, and unify it into a whole. So... There have been examples in the past that most of the things that you can find are in terms of, like, myth or legend. Not necessarily myth or legend, but more, like, unsubstantiated reports of, like, there's a rumor from two towns over that says this. That, like, for example, a Pokemon that um, had eaten some sort of mushroom that seemed to be infecting it or damaging it from the inside evolved later on and evolved essentially into part grass type that incorporated those mushrooms into its form in a kind of a unique evolution. 
that stabilized it, it didn't seem to spread the spores any farther from then. So it seems that evolution as a factor, especially when especially when dealing with like mutation or uh, infection or things, tends to stabilize matters and contain it within that within what's going on with the Pokemon itself. It, it does kind of have, like, there's interesting speculative ideas. Um, most of them are shut down because of the ethic, uh, because of the ethics of it, of if you infect a Pokemon with this or that disease and then force it to evolve before the disease ran its course, what would happen? Um, mm. But those are mostly in ideas mm. of, like, of, of speculation. Or if you expose the Pokemon to large a large amount of radiation and then force it to evolve, would that cure the radiation would it give it some sort of radioactive ability and most of the time it's like what if you stabbed it in the heart and then made it evolve in general <laughs> like in general the rank damage simply gets healed it's something that is it's things that deal with like the actual genetics of the pokemon or a sort of or an extra set of genetics that's why a plant plant matter or mushroom or fungi or there's the symbiotic relationships like dealing with mantine and Slowpokes at Slowbro. This is a huge area of study, so you have plenty of time to look, look over this and see the different permutations, but that's kind of the gist that you're getting. Professor Sneeze, what specifically are you looking for? I'm thinking, uh, especially after the transmission that we heard, I'm going to be looking into the most obscure things I can find on the history of the Flames of Agni. And, and possibly the Futurists. Most obscure. Okay, so you're aiming primarily for the Flames of Agni, but you think of the Futurists as well. Yes. Yeah, that would be a general education because it's more history. So yeah, give me a general education. Sweet. All right. 25. Okay. Uh, with the 25, you know that the Flames of Agni were founded uh, roughly 300 years ago, shortly after the events of the Ravager War. All of the historical events that you've heard of there, that the Chan Empire had been subjugating the D for centuries at that point. Uh, the D had been continuously rebelling. At this point, the rebellion was reaching its peak at the same time as the Chan was expanding its efforts and its empire outwards, and they ran into something at the border, which turned out to be Ravager Pokemon, which came attacking inwards and were driving the armies of the Chan back. King himself went to uh, the slums of the D in Ratu, which was the capital city at that time, to kind of speak with the rebel leaders as much as he could and try to quell this to deal with the threat to their borders. When he went to do this, a man called Agni, who was the right-hand man of the leader of the D rebellion, uh, saw his chance and took it, killing the king. Make sure I'm getting my history correct. <laughs> Your history. Yes. Uh, so Emperor Hassan uh, went to uh, sent out a petition to the D rebels and was pleading for a truce with them. Not, not saying that they were rebels or anything, but just trying to like basically giving them concessions to work with it. One of the thing, one of the key things with the Flames of Agni was that the Ravager Pokemon showing up, the harsh weather that had happened for several years, they had decided that that was a sign that the Chan were finally being pushed out of their place, and they continued to agree with this. So Agni was one of the ones who most heavily believed in this, and he charged forward while the Emperor was in the middle of parlaying with the leaders of the D-Rebels 
and stabbed him with a burning scimitar. The leader of the rebels killed him, and killed Agni immediately after, and surrendered to the Emperor's son. And his father, still clinging to the last bit of life, uh, managed to stop his son from killing the rebel leader, and so actually got the truce in place. After that, and this is just a part of the thing there, uh, the Chan and the D sent out a force of all the armed men that they could to kind of stem the Ravagers at the point where Fort Earthquake currently stands. They succeeded at the cost of 60% of their army. And uh, the Emperor's son also died in that battle. The Emperor had been clinging to life and he also, at hearing that his son had died, he died as well. And due to the Chan Empire now being leaderless, bereft of many, uh, of almost a full generation of its uh, young men and everything else, they're kind of uh, ended up working with the D and creating the Chandi region as it is now, where the D area is overseen by D leaders, the Chan area is overseen by Chan leaders. So Yash, Narav, and Mukul are all of D ancestry. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other five gym leaders are all of Chan ancestry. Cole Danton, no one's quite sure, but he's on the mountain, so no, one, <laughs> no one's concerned as much. But the biggest thing from that, what was taken from that, was that the Flames of Agni, what they're saying is that Agni was correct in striking down the Emperor. In fact, uh, one of the ideas behind what they were talking about there was that, uh, or behind their philosophy was that the death of the Emperor, not the battle at Fort Earthquake, is what stopped the Ravagers. That the spirits of the world around them, that the Pokemon and nature, saw that the Emperor had died and so had pulled back. But the Chandi region didn't give back, didn't actually give back the land to the D. The Chan weren't pushed out of the area, and so things haven't gone far enough. Um, and that's kind of been their thing for a while. Obviously, this is a little fanatic in thought process, and especially immediately after a giant battle, after a huge restructuring, everyone trying to kind of work together, uh, dealing with what could easily have become a famine because there were fewer people to work fields. The Flames of Agni did not have a huge following, and that kind of continued as things settled, Ravager Pokemon were not seen any longer, things kind of became much more peaceful. More recently, you can get some reports and areas in this library that's much older areas, but you're finding a lot of, you kind of find your way to a lot of more recent, like almost report style books, which is interesting in this area, that finding that uh, there's been more of an uptick in the Flames of Agni approach. It seems as though ever since Agni was killed, Agni himself was killed, the leader of the Flames of Agni has been kept mostly in shadow. Whoever that has been kind of traded through is more of a closely guarded secret. Back and forth there, but the rumors seem to suggest that there was a change in leadership relatively recently. And whereas the old leader was more likely to be talking about, like, going with traditional approaches, just waiting things out, occasionally attacking this or that thing, the newest leader has had a far more aggressive approach and has been in many ways more willing to break the letter of their ideals in order to fulfill the spirit of them. So 
Yeah, the concept of starving a bunch of Aeron in order to eat a power plant is something that the old one would never have done. But there's also evidence that um, this new leader is also looked upon with a great deal more respect than the old one, as though this newer leader has some sort of weight or some sort of knowledge among people who go with the Flames of Agony, as though like they respect this person far more, despite, it, it, despite their aggressive stance. So, Charlie, what are you looking for specifically? Charlie uh, is going to kind of piggyback off of what Michael was saying before, and he wants to look at the lore and the history of the archetypes and see what information you can find about some archetypes of the past. Like we know, we know information about most of the current archetypes, but what were they like before? Yes, that would be an occult education check. Though. All right, let's do a rolly roll for that. Double check my um, thing on this. It's uh, only a five. Only a five. <laughs> And yeah, I only have four dice in my hands. Way to go, Paul. See, I thought you had rolled <laughs> only a five, and I was like, wow. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, that'd be that'd be really, uh, you know, a, a Yahtzee on, on the first roll. That'd be pretty impressive. That's going to be 15, 18. It takes you a little bit to get through things, because there is no mention of the word archetype in lore. At least not not as like not with a capital A. There's archetypes of this, archetypes of that, and some of those seem to work. But the idea of them of the things being called archetypes is a little harder to find. Almost like it's more of an informal thing or something that hasn't been written down in history as a specific thing. As you look through it more, you realize that's because each archetype that you can find in like lore and mythology and history is generally called by a name denoting its character, or denoting like the, the archetype or archetypes that it's working together. For example, how Archie uh, introduced himself when he first uh, went through everything as the archivist, um, as the archetype of fact, and, and going through that as, like, each of them kind of has a name that fits their character. Going back through time, you can find several different ones. You find a children's book about a Togekiss who goes on a bunch of adventures that never have anything to do with reality. There's reason to believe that that's an archetype, but it almost pathologically cannot have anything to do with the reality that you're now in. So it's just kind of an interesting aside. <laughs> what, uh, so two, two side questions here then, uh, not to interrupt. Did we... Uh, find out what Katana and Grunge's, like, categorical name is, or... Since they never, uh, said it aloud, I don't know if you ever did, but... Wasn't, yes, you did. Wasn't Grunge, like, the loyalist? Grunge was either the, devo the, the devoted or the loyal. Oh, that's right, the devoted. You would get that. Katana would probably be called the ascetic. Uh, the other question I had is, I recall, and again, I don't know if Charlie knows this or if Paul knows this, but there was the, uh, the Arcanine that was mm -hmm. an archetype of, was it a member of the Flames of Agni? Yes. Um, you never had any confirmation, and you still don't have confirmation, that the archetype that seems to be associated with Agni himself 
was an archetype. There is knowledge that there was an Arcanine that was associated with Agni himself, that this Arcanine was well known enough to be remembered in history, that it seemed to have uh, different factors and abilities with it, but there is, you have not had confirmation that it is an archetype. Okay. The thing that you find through looking through it, of you find different things that could definitely be activated, could be seen as archetypes, or uh, be working within them. The thing that you find interesting with them is that they don't always all appear at once in the same area of history. They are present and around, but not all of them always take part in history. Um, what you do find in terms of lore and legend, this ends up going into more legend and myth and actual historical accounts. The more archetypes that show up, the more momentous the situation is, the bigger the change is. So, uh, for example, at the Ravager War, if that Arcanine could be considered an archetype, there were, you think, as you're reading through and looking through things, maybe seven confirmed archetypes working in the area. At least, that people had, had down and put in the area. And there's different types, different setups. There seems to be one of the more interesting ones there was a frost moth that was active in the area that seemed to be uh, present it, it seemed to appear both in in Ratu at times and at the border um, both times it was seen it was only seen twice it was seen in Ratu just before the D rebellion started making major operations and it was seen at the border just before the first major wave of Ravagers attacked. So that's believed to be connected with it. And that would make sense because if I recall correctly, the Galvantula was uh, the archetype of Vervin Rebellion, is that right? That is correct. Mm -hmm. You do find a couple things that make it seem uh, a little simpler, that grunge that you have, it makes life a little simpler for you. Going through uh, history and legends, most of the time, the fire archetype, if it's paired with another archetype type, ends up being often paired with ground. And usually that means that there's a lot of uh, betrayal and damage that happens in that thing's wake. Uh, would Charlie know what the, um, the ground type archetype would be? You got an 18, so I'm going to say uh, you're able to, through there, kind of be able to start picking together what the different archetype types would be. So, uh, for example, the ice, uh, the frost moth would have been an archetype of rebellion and bloodshed, if mm -hmm. it was together. The ground type archetype is destruction. And so, combining love or loyalty with destruction often tends to have bad ends. Gonna stand it, watch me burn. <laughs> so, as far as we know, like right now, we uh, have confirmed eight archetypes. Yes, we and have. And the meta knowledge is we know that there will be two more archetypes, but basically, we're in, as far as Charlie can tell, an unprecedented time right now. There may have been times when all of the archetypes were represented at once, but again, you're going to myth and legend, and those are hard, and none of them are called archetypes. They're just powerful Pokemon that seem to exhibit these traits. So you're kind of extrapolating from what you're going. It's like we have, like, 
18 combinations of avatars. <laughs> <laughs> Liliana, is there something else you wanted to look up? Not that I can think of. <laughs> is there anything else uh, Liliana would like to do in the library or elsewhere, then? Well, actually, wait, no, let me go back to the library. Just imagining her walking out the library and going, oh. So you were talking about, like, evolutions and stuff, too, before. So after you said that, kind of what made me think of is, like, future Liliana. Trying to find ways to, like, for Pokemon who are very severely bodily injuries or have terminal illnesses, mm -hmm. trying to find a way to, like, work them up to that next stage of evolution and then finding a way to like type shift them to help them either overcome or at least cope with what their minor evolution is struggling with give me a either medicine or pokemon education i'd say Ooh, which is higher i think my medicine education is still higher yep oh no i played the, the same anyways Ooh, much better this time 13. 13, okay. Oh wait, no. I looked at that wrong. Oh wait, no, that's right, never mind. Okay. Wait, no, though, I looked at that wrong. That's, wait, no. The 15! 15! <laughs> one of my dice, one of, okay, to clarify, one of my dice is like almost see-through, uh, so I didn't look at it right. Okay. Sorry. Okay. So 15. Okay. Yep. As you're looking through things, the Abilities of type shifting is still mostly in its experimental stages in the Chandy region. Um, there's there's ways to do it and things to go through it, but a lot of them have to do with very extensive surgery or very uh, extreme circumstances. People are still working out how exactly a Pokemon is type shifted in the first place. Uh, the easiest way to do it seems to be to get someone who has a natural affinity for a specific type, and usually you're born with that affinity, to have them train very much in that affinity to the point where they unlock the ability to essentially imprint that type in another Pokemon. Since you're reading more medical journals and things, it's kind of the, it, it's the kind of thing that would cause a more scientifically minded person to start tearing their hair out. It's a very difficult to observe and repeat, um, especially since there seems to be a limited number of times in a person's life that even a person with that kind of power can imprint that power in another, in a Pokemon. The thing is, there have been ways to artificially induce this. Those seem to trend more towards uh, steel types, which as prosthetics and, I, and uh, working things get better and better, they're able to manufacture that. Though again, um, you're finding, like similar to Professor Sneeze, you're finding a lot of more recent things that seem to suggest that uh, it's Yash who's really the one who's kind of on the forefront of this and, and is unprecedented in what she's doing. But elsewhere, people are starting to catch up with... That almost seems to be almost Steel-type by terms of just accumulation. Of you're just replace you replace so many parts with steel that the Pokemon just becomes steel type, um, which can have its own positives and negatives. And then the other typing that tends to show up most is ghost typing um, in terms of artificial creation. The reasons that this seems to be the easiest to do is almost you're almost working working into or working past 
the natural end of the disease or the damage that's being done and sustaining artificially sustaining the Pokemon's life beyond the point where it would normally succumb to its injuries tends to allow it to seem to access ghost typing and work through that. There's still a lot of work and other things to be done, but it starts to get very technical after that point. Uh, there's definitely a lot of interested minds. I'm going to put together a list of names for you of like people who have written down for it. I'll get them in a bit. I, I don't have them um, as the GM. I don't have them at the moment. But uh, Liliana is basically able to find a list of names of people in and around the Chan area, especially of the Chandi region, that are interested in this specific idea of type shifting, of working with Pokemon with injuries, and getting them to get to that evolution point. That's the other aspect is um, battling seems to be in terms of uh, getting a Pokemon to evolve. Battling seems to be the number one best way to gain a Pokemon enough experience to evolve. Nothing else, even like strenuous exercise, seems to work as well as a an actual battle between Pokemon, or between a Pokemon and trainer, or, or anything else there. Though even between a Pokemon and trainer doesn't seem to work quite as well as Pokemon to Pokemon. Again, no one's quite sure why this is, but there are interesting aspects, and this is kind of leaning more into the technology aspect, that there's ideas, and uh, since the internet hasn't quite hit the Chandy region yet. This is almost in the realm of science fiction at this point, despite the point the fact that you guys have already seen ludicrously advanced prosthetics. There's the idea of creating a virtual battle system in order for a Pokemon to simulate these fights in order to gain the experience from that to level up more quickly. It's very theoretical and technical, but there's that that concept is in the works as well. Professor Sneeze, is there something else you wanted to look up? I'm waffling between two ideas and I think I think the one I want to pursue at this stage because it's fresh and because I think it's clo more closely related to what we're already looking at is the transmission that we heard. Discerning some of, of what was in that muffled, garbled message, there are a few phrases that I, I caught and I want to, like, I guess do a cross-search for some of those things. I, I guess intuiting some of what the message is getting at, too, maybe researching the possibility of other worlds. <laughs> uh, give me a... Don't say tech ed, don't say tech ed, don't say tech ed. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Um, you might be able to get somewhere with general education, but you won't be able to get as far as with technology education. Even with the role. Can I that do you have. both? Sure. Like, like do the tech ed, see how far I can get with tech ed, but then yeah. see. General what ed will like fill in around stuff. stuff yeah. Ed. yeah. All right, I'm gonna do tech ed first, uh, and that's a nine, okay. so not terrible. Okay. Do you want me to roll both um, of them? Let's, or let's start with that. To... All right. You very quickly get in over your head as Professor Sneeze. You're used to reading uh, research documents, working through things in your speciality, but a lot of this stuff is way more technical than you have to work with. Sure. What you can get from the gist of it, just getting through it with that, what you can barely decipher is there are a number of people, especially in the Chan area, they seem to believe two things. One, that multiverse theory is, if not confirmed, at least very highly plausible. 
and two, at least one multiverse has contacted this universe before. Specifically this region. Mm -hmm. That's about as far as you can make out. You're not sure what they're talking about or what they're working with. There's a lot of technical jargon. They seem to be getting from something that this region has had multiversal activity in the past. Or future. Or something like that. It's really hard to tell. <laughs> Great. Alright, then uh, I'll roll my gen ed. Uh, and that is... 18. Okay. Part of the reason that you're able to kind of go with this and go, okay, multiverse theory can work, is there is a wealth of fiction and literature and everything within the Chandy region's history about multiple universes or parallel worlds or uh, fractal paths of the idea of if you made this choice instead of that choice or if you agonized over a choice, you actually had two realities come from it. That seems to be within the zeitgeist of the Chandy region for a very long time. Um, there's also, like, and this just is a no-brainer, that there's been a duality in the Chandy region of just, like, good and bad, this, that versus that, uh, terrible versus terrible, and just, like, like, the idea of just, of duality of, like, those multiverses not just being, uh, static, or not just being different, but being, uh, many times worse or many times better than where you currently are. As though, like, one, uh, th there have been plenty of stories about one, uh, inconspicuous choice preventing the apocalypse. Like, for want of a nail, but in reverse. Also something that Paul is remembering, uh, you're talking about the uh, multiple timelines and uh, uh, breaking paths and stuff, that was uh, the, the yes. ruins that we saw by McCool's gym. Which is where you got the transmission in the first place. Yes. Right. Yes, it was. Charlie, did you have something else to look over? Um, I think the other thing that Charlie would be interested in, and maybe this wouldn't be the right place to find it, but... <laughs> Where can he find a, a greater variety of Pokemon uh, in the Chan portion of the region? Uh, give me a Pokemon education check. Ah, that's not great, but we'll do it. <laughs> uh, it's uh, just two dice. Man, once Charlie gets set up, I'm gonna, I swear I'm going to throw some more stuff into general <laughs> ed. Maybe. No, uh, that, or not general, but like Pokemon ed. But that, that's a lie. That's uh, There are other things I need to rank up first. <laughs> Uh, it's a four. <laughs> okay. You know lands meet probably, isn't it? Because it's just a lot of uh, step, like plains area, but a lot less lush than what you've been going through recently. Um, the blighted forests nearby might have some interesting stuff. Poison types. Well, and, and, and the other thing to like keep in mind with this is also, like, I mean, Charlie's from roughly that area. Yeah, that's why it's like, you're, you're cut, this, this is what you're remembering. Yeah. Even as you're, like, okay, looking yeah. up things. Blight Forest might have some interesting stuff. Um, going north from there, you end up in a tundra. Um, there's a desert to the west that could have some fairly interesting Pokemon. There weren't, there, like, the desert biome does not exist in the D portion of the region, so that's probably the most likely place to find something completely different. That's what Charlie knows, pretty much, from that is... Uh, the desert might have some interesting places. The, the blighted forest might have some strange Pokemon to live in that area. Uh, would anyone in the monastery, would I be able to have a conversation with anybody and ask them if they knew <laughs> anything? 
certainly look around to see if you can find someone to talk to. Alright, this actually goes into Charlie's wheelhouse because he's gonna he's gonna roll some charm on this. <laughs> um and trying to think you may you may need to come up with a character here, Nick, we'll see, but we'll see if uh, Charlie can uh charm his way and chat with anybody about the set. Maybe Charlie can make a friend. <laughs> And I, I, by all means, want this to be a very begrudging friend if we can make it happen. It's a 22. <laughs> Give me a perception check as well. Oh no, that's a bad roll. Um, I rolled a, an 11. No, a 10. It's a 10. Okay. Okay, um, you don't actually find anyone for quite a while, but you finally are able to wander kind of to the front of... Um, the monastery area where you see an older man, kind of like a giant beard, flowing robes and things there, who seems to be turning away a few people. Um, and as he finishes turning them away, uh, right, uh, he turns to is like, oh, uh, one of the guests, Tristan, what, what are you looking for? Um, hi, yeah, I just, um, like, I'm trying to uh, catch Pokemon, that's, that's a thing that I do, I'm like... Like, you look like you're a really wise dude. Can you tell me, like, where I could find some Pokemon? Or, like, any, like, really unique Pokemon? There are Pokemon all around you, of course. Uh, I would say uh, a few different places you could go. Um, you've been through the D region, correct? Yes, yeah. We started down in uh, um, the Restful Fjord, and we're making our way up north here, and we're, we're here in the monastery now. As you're going through, there's definitely some areas. Uh, Illumine Oasis has some interesting places, especially with its connection to the Crystal Caverns and the deserts. In the area there, there's a lot of Pokemon that are a little, I would say, a little odder, especially around that area. Uh, you can find, especially uh, with the... Like a, like a Buizel? Funny. Uh, I was just thinking that too. No, uh, no, Charlie already knows that there's some Buizel in uh, the Blighted Forest. Yeah, Charlie does. So does Bernie. <laughs> uh, anyway. So, like, yeah, uh, yeah. Those are probably more of the interesting places, especially uh, with the Illumine Oasis kind of growing up very quickly as a town. There's different Pokemon that have either refused to move out of their places or have moved in to new places. Uh, a unique area there, I would say. Uh, the Blighted Forest also has an interesting setup. It's fairly... It's been fairly recent. Well, not fairly recent. I suppose 300 years isn't terribly recent. Uh, but uh, recent enough that it's kind of it. It has uh, changed how it's set up. That that it's been blighted, blighted, and uh, connected by quite a bit of uh, poison in the area, which has changed the setup immensely most of the time. Uh, a forest isn't so saturated by that specific typing. And so there's kind of an interesting uh, dichotomy there as well. Oh, it really is up to you. My oh, Okay, yeah, I mean, like, I've been finding a bunch of Pokemon, and, and they're really cool and they're awesome. Um, hey, what, what's your favorite Pokemon? That is a good question. I like the Drompa line myself, honestly, or just Drompa, I suppose. They're such friendly <laughs> And he actually throws oh, out seen one of those uh, yet. giant, it's it's a big yellow, uh, green and white dragon Pokemon that kind of has, it looks like it has like big flowing white hair and a beard 
in there and just kind of looks down at you and like nudges you with its nose. <laughs> uh, I suppose if it's already nudging me, I don't have to do like the whole hiccup thing and stick <laughs> out the hand. And... <laughs> but, uh, like, oh man, that's so cool! Can I ride him? He kind of looks at you like, I suppose you're still young enough, at least in some ways. Sure. <laughs> At least in some ways, that's great. <laughs> so, so the drown plug kind of bends down to let you mount up on him. Give me an acrobatics or athletics check. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> I'm gonna ride a dragon. <laughs> uh, we're gonna go okay. acrobatics. Got a six on that. dice do not want to roll nicely for me. It's an 18 on 6 dice. Alright, uh, you just needed a 10, so you're good. Alright. <laughs> you're able to mount the Drampa with no problems, and so it just starts, you know, galumping <laughs> around, and you go on a fun little dragon ride. But, but I, I, I assume the Drampa is not <laughs> flying, though, is he? cute. <laughs> uh, it has a flight speed of 4, so it certainly can. Ooh. Uh, so it rides around a little bit inside and outside of the um, area, and it'll fly. It can fly a little bit if you want it to. Uh, that's awesome. So, uh, uh, so with the little flying that's, that's happening, Charlie uh, kind of guides the dramper around, and he's like yelling and going "woohoo, wow!" Uh, completely disrupting anyone who's trying to do any like focus yep. type of training. And uh, he he goes by and goes. Uh, little Liana, look at me! Look at what I'm doing! <laughs> he just bursts through the, the library. <laughs> On top of Falcor. No. <laughs> Pseudo Falcor. That's nice. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> Alright, so you're you're off galumphing on top of a dragon. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh I don't know. Uh, Lydia, do you have any ideas? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, we're both from the D region. Mm-hmm. So it's not, like, as clear-cut as, like, if if one of us got in a debate with Charlie between Chan versus D. But we, but... we are from very different sections of the D region, though. Yes. To be sure. Very different sections and very how? different backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, maybe, okay, maybe how about as a lead up to this, how about you guys meet up and is there something that you both would be willing to kind of research together? Mm. Okay. Like, so, so something, like, you're kind of researching disparate things, but where's somewhere that both of you guys could kind of align in the moment that you'd both be kind of looking mm. up at? Or looking up Oh, like we're both looking mm. for a certain book, and then we both find like the same one, and yeah. we're like, oh, yeah, maybe we have to share this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not necessarily over the book, but maybe. And then like we have different opinions. Yeah. I, I would say so, it, yeah. it can also start a little more friendly. As, like you guys are both researching something, you both realize you're kind of researching in the same area, so you're like, why not just pool yeah. our research? Mm-hmm. Sure. So, is there something that you guys think you guys would both run into? The one thing I can think of is both of you just kind of got the names of a bunch of Chan researchers who are mm-hmm. thinking towards mm. uh, ideas with Pokemon. Mm. Okay. So you could be running down those, you could be doing something else uh, related to Pokemon or other things. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, okay, so 
more of like our characters and you know what would they fight about I mean we're both more reticent than Charlie to capture Pokemon um, uh, a little more selective in, in that regard but maybe for different reasons I don't know oh to be looking up it's like hmm. like sneeze is all about the um, the ecosystems of the Pokemon and encouraging them to thrive where they are and as is natural for them mm, and I'm kind um, of looking at the way of like how to change that change their environments yeah. both internally and externally what right and like maybe you're you're looking to better it mm-hmm. for yourself and possibly the Pokemon too so like mm-hmm. I'm trying to put positive spins on both here mm-hmm. so that we can have a real debate yeah I suppose like the negative side of mine what it could look like negatively is like forcing the Pokemon too much mm-hmm. to like their breaking point instead of to their limits and like possibly towing the line too much of like kind of playing God in a way of like this is how uh-huh. they should be now and I'm going to make them this way. Sure, and and sneezes, uh, the negative for, for sneezes is assuming that the humans aren't part of a broader ecosystem or shouldn't take a more active role mm-hmm. in things. Should just let things um, be type of thing. Right, right, that's maybe the negative there. Um, it's not exactly like environmentalism versus industrialism Mm -hmm. but it's similar it's along similar lines Mm -hmm. there Um, and so I'm wondering if maybe in our our research we're coming across um, some Chan researchers who are um, maybe touching on I don't know experiments with Pokemon and maybe maybe our initial reaction is the same where it's like oh that's so awful mm. <laughs> and how, how but then how about yeah. this is in scary kind of thinking through all that how yeah. would each of you react if in your like looking through as uh, Liliana is kind of tracking down more people who are talking about um, you know uh, type shifting and different Pokemon setups and working through that and uh, Professor Sneeze is looking through uh, different things of just like researchers who are talking about multiverse theory and working there. How would each of you react if you found that one of the contributors in the study you're looking for was Dr. Linnaeus? Mm. Also, if we're going on this topic, like Charlie does have some opinions and that, and these, these go against uh, Liliana because like in Charlie's mind, he more, he more or less can like equates Linnaeus and Yash. Mm -hmm. But you're riding on a trampa right now. <laughs> but you're riding on a trampa right now. He's like riding around and then all of a sudden it just like freezes and he's looking over their shoulders and he's like, I just don't like that. And then it goes back to galloping around the library. <laughs> Yash is a butcher. See you guys next round. <laughs> 
Oh. That, that's the way I'd say. Like you both, I, I'd say like maybe you're both reading in a similar area. You realize that you're kind of looking in the same area, but even though you aren't coinciding, so you've ended up near each other in the library, and both of you have found mm -hmm. a study, maybe separate studies, where one of the contributors was Dr. Linnaeus. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Linnaeus, I don't, I, I don't like him. Yeah, at least we both hate him. <laughs> He's experimenting on Pokemon and holding them captive and changing the natural way that they are. It's not, not right. I mean, the way that he's going about it, yeah, is pretty messed up, but like, I don't know. At the same time, too, it's not entirely bad. Because, I mean, what are... like, medicine, the medical world is always changing. It's always going to be. That's how you further develop and, and help Pokemon. Well, yes, the way he's going about it, but also just why, 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 why not, why leave, not leave the Pokemon alone the way they are? It, I mean, if if they need medical help, they can find it. Some of them are type shifting naturally, anyways, in other regions. So who's to say yeah. that we're not just helping them change further, or making that transition easier for them? Well, who are who are we to decide how they should develop and change? That's not our job. That's so it's not our job to come up with any sort of medicines for them either. They can just deal with it on their own. We shouldn't care about that at all. Well, that's a that's a stretch. Is it? It's not a, a non sequitur. And besides, okay, well, maybe we don't need to to come up with different kinds of medicines for i know i've used potions and things to help heal my pokemon but they i mean they can find natural berries and things that do basically the same thing so then why have you been using potions if that's how you feel why don't you just stop why don't you just let things run their well, it's course convenient. i'll just I can quit whenever I want. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the first step to admitting you have a problem is to admit you have one. Oh boy. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> first step to solving the problem. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, this isn't about me. I, I, I can see the, the value in the having those those potions available there, but it would be better in my thinking to just you know, not industrialize all that. You just use the potions. Or not the potions. Use the berries. Okay, great. Don't use stuff. potions anymore. I certainly oh. won't help you make any once I learn how to do that for myself. And, you know, if there's ever any times where, you know, say your Pokemon, oh, I don't know, breaks a bone, don't use any sort of, like, shunts or anything like that. They don't need it. It'll just heal its own self magically. Not magically, naturally. And the Pokemon Yeah, don't... into an uneven shape that was never supposed to be that way. Well, that, we, can, we can certainly help and just the basic ways non-invasive sort of ugh, and you can put a put a splint on it I Steve, mean, it's, it's not changing anything think about the way that yash had her laboratory all the different ways that she was helping those pokemon some of them never even had a chance if she wouldn't have ever gotten to them but why why would we just let them suffer like that i mean i guess that i i thought i thought i saw some pretty weird things there in her laboratory. I don't know if it was all all good. I think I think her intentions were good, but there are certainly better ways to go about that rather than making things so 
man-made. Well, you, you know Charles Darmanitan's uh, thoughts on the survival of the fittest. <laughs> Oh <laughs> Charles Darmanitan. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't oh, all man. have to be man-made. Char Charlie says riding from a <laughs> Shut up, Charlie, don't be asking. <laughs> Liliana just picks a book and chucks it at him. <laughs> okay, but but sneeze. So some of the research that I've been found that I have been founding, I myself have been doing this. That I have been finding. You founded the research. Oh <laughs> me. Some of the research that I have been finding too has been talking about evolutions and what what if as a Pokemon is starting to evolve, that's when we start making these minor changes for them. So it's still happening naturally, but we can guide them through this. <laughs> Makes my skin crawl thinking about something like that. Evolution is a, a, a beautiful thing that the Pokemon do on their own. It's it's bred into them, and and it's it's something that it, it demonstrates their own personal uniqueness and and beauty. And it's it's not something that we should mess with. We should marvel at it. I, I, in, in, in my research, I've, I've been discovering a, a, a lot of things that go wrong when you mess with the natural order of things. Think of the, the suffering that just human beings have caused by meddling in the affairs of To think about how we've been helping, too, though. Helping them grow and become something better, too. You don't think that any of the Pokémon that you have caught on your journey, that you've helped them in some way, that they couldn't have done naturally. We we're learning from each other, growing in a, in a symbiotic sort of relationship. I'm not trying to change them, and they're not trying to change me, but we're, we're growing and, and uh, improving just by association. It's, it's a natural way. You're making them fight for you. You're taking them out of their natural environments. That's, that's not change. That, uh, they're going on this adventure with me, and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to greater things. I, I'm still very much about the research of, of the Pokemon, and these, these Pokemon are gonna, gonna help me with that, too. They're better for it as, as well. They're, 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 they're getting to see more of the world, and, and, and I'm not taking them along unwillingly. They're... They're, they're, they, they, like, they enjoy being on the team and, and coming Boss along. Boss enjoys being on your team. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he knows what he wants, and, and we butt heads once in a while, but it's a mm. relationship. Strained relationship. That's, that, that, that's a low blow there, Liliana, and that's, I don't appreciate you. Yeah, I'm sure you've experienced that enough from Boss. The low kick, thank you very much. <laughs> I think I think at that point the conversation would start to kind of break down. Yep. Sounds like maybe. <laughs> so again, separate your happy sentences. Uh, while this is going on, uh, Charlie, you're off going thing through the air with your drumpa friend. Uh, there, and as you're going through there, you notice a bird Pokemon getting uh, coming from near, like higher up in one of the higher mountains, getting up and coming closer and closer to you. You were able to recognize it as a Fero. Just about everyone mm -hmm. in the Tandy region can recognize a Fero by sight due to the Fero Corps. Also, this is a member of the Fero Corps. Comes flying up to you and stops for a second, and the man on the back of this Fero Corps Fero 
uh, looks over to you and says, Ms. Me, are you at the Monastery of the Scaled Fist? Yeah, you could say that. He reaches into his bag and pulls out literally a scroll, which you kind of have a moment to like, what century is this? But he hands you the scroll <laughs> and says, this is... The story of a girl. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Uh, he hands this over to you and kind of gives you the same look of like, so it wasn't my idea, but he's like... This is for uh, the three people who have recently come to the monastery. Uh, the head of the Fearer Corps has requested their presence in three weeks' time at the Fearer Corps headquarters. Please get this to them as soon as you can. And he turns and flies away, uh, out actually over the D region. Charlie's like, yeah, okay, I guess we'll have to find who the new people are then, I guess. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is about as much time as we have for this week. <laughs> but before we go, somewhere decently far north of the Monastery of the Scaled Fist. Remind me again why we don't have anyone inside the monastery. Don't answer that. Keep the excavation team on standby in high keep. The moment that they show up there, give them the go-ahead. Don't send them out early or making a rivalry here. Some of the rules of efficiency have to be relaxed for the sake of the drama. I don't care if it doesn't make sense to you. This is how it works, and this is how we'll do it. What? So what if they aren't our main rivals? They're the big players here. We have to either get them fully on our side or antagonize them. We can't afford to let them take the middle path. That could ruin the whole thing. I'm willing to do both. Get it done. Power source will show up already. I'm sure we're setting this up right. And that is all the time that we have for this week. Thank you for joining us this week. You can find us online at tapsterradio.org slash Pokemon-Rollout, on Twitter at Podcast, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash PokeRollouts. Join our Facebook group, the Pokemon Rollout Tap Room. As long as you're not a robot, we'll approve of your request to join. There you can join in the conversation with creators and fans and become a part of the Pokemon Rollout community. Also, follow our network on Twitter, at Tapster Radio, and check out some of our other great shows at tapsterradio.org, like Intermission, Michael and Ethan in a Room with Scotch, Freddy Goes to a Podcast, and Us Play Fiasco. A special thank you to Rocco W. for our theme music, Electric Donkey Muscles. And feel free to check the show notes for the other music and sound effects you used in this episode. Once again, I'm Nick, and you can follow me on Twitter at PokeRollNick. Charlie Dragon Rider Pine, we're going with it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm Paul. On Twitter, you can find me at ProfSnag. And as always, you can find us in our Discord and on the Facebook tap room. Uh, always have some, I shouldn't say always, but we always come, uh, eventually we come to a very interesting discussion. As we are recording this, I just opened up a, a, a new project that I've been thinking about for a while, our Pokemon Horde naming project, and we have had dozens of messages of really clever ideas for, uh, for Pokemon, just to give you, in case you're not here and you want to join in on this, um, we have uh, a handful of ones that are really fun, let me find some that are fun. A plague of Zubats. Um, hey, what are some other good ones here? A coven of Miss Magius. I really like a lot. I like that one, yeah. I liked. I liked a bucket of combustion. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Uh, Michael, I have to say, I like your fight club, yep. fight club of Machamp, but that might go well somewhere else as well. So that's really good as well. That, oh, I mean, there are a lot of fighting types. It's got to be somewhere. And the personal ones that I, that I like, I might put these in the stone here, was uh, you could have a Murmur of Whismur, 
A discourse of loud red and a cacophony of explode. I love that. I love that. So, uh, come have uh, fun, clever discussions with us over on our Discord. Yes. I like a desolation of I'm gear. Michael. Sorry. That's really cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is good. Uh, I'm Michael. I'm on Twitter at M-G-L-I-L-I-E-N-T-H-A-L. Uh, so check me out there and in the Discord and on our Facebook group. And I'm Lydia, and you can find me on Twitter at L-I-L underscore Shadow 8. And you can follow me on Twitter at Behind Your Eye, or Behind Your Ellie. That's Behind Your E-Y-E-L-I. If you like what we do here every other week on Pokemon Left, tell a friend, retweet us, and especially please rate us on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you really like us, donate to us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast, and get some sweet rewards. Special thanks to our patrons, Michael, Richie Cameron, Terry Pfau, Tim Jacobson, Eric Lonquist, Peter Stadmuller, NLET, Azure Spider, Mark Smith, Dr. Audino, Legendary, Alex Abram, Rob, Gregory Lopez, David Harshman, Box Cheese, Proxis, DGZ, and Nathan Jester. You guys are awesome and we can't say it enough. We really appreciate all that you, the gentle listeners, do for us. Thanks for listening and we'll catch ya later. Bye! Next time on Pokemon Rollout. The trainers have been summoned to the mountaintop headquarters of the Fero Corps, asked to visit this organization for some unknown reason. What does the Fero Corps have to show our trainers? What will they ask the trainers to do in return? And are the trainers up to the task? Find out next time on Pokemon Rollout. Hedgehog. Mm-hmm. I am the hedgehog. Cuckoo, 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 cuckoo. Oh, have um, we been spending too much time together? Is that? <laughs> I was just thinking that we, you, all, you all made mention about how old you were earlier too. <laughs> we're not that old, Nick. Not that old. <laughs> Great fan. It, it really is like. Someone just suggested a flex of Machop. <laughs> I suggested a fight club of Machoke. <laughs> uh, where are my character sheets? <laughs> nope, that's tax stuff. Also fun. You guys want to do our taxes? Oh gosh. Yeah. No. <laughs> Hang on, guys, give me one. I apologize. I'm trying. I've had that day a little bit myself, so. Yeah. I swear I'm getting better. That's good. <laughs> Bring out <Okay>. the dead. <laughs> yes, thank you. Obscurantism and obfuscation. Orally observed, gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Obviated objects of oblivion. Obambulating about. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. In the Tapestry Radio Network. Tapestryradio.org. From From our our fancy fancy to to yours. yours.